one's called Nice Guy. It's on our album, Save California. You can find it at nvsmusic.com. So many nice people in this world. A full of kindness and ethical politeness. The blues are too small, so cast in tone. I'm a bit underwhelmed by the sample shown. NVSmusic.com Hey everybody, welcome to episode one of MIGTOWN. 
Um, this is a new format for us. I don't usually just read off the history of something at the beginning of any of our episodes, so please bear with us. If you have some constructive criticism, email us, echo at echoplexmedia.com. If you think this is garbage, maybe wait for episode two. I'll do a better job on episode two, I promise, and I'll bring other people in on reading off the history of people. For our first episode, we're going to be going over Paul Elam. He is undoubtedly the mayor of MGTOWN. Paul Elam runs a website called A Voice for Men. It is the go-to spot for your misogyny online. Not too much is known about Mr. Elam before he founded A Voice for Men, but here's a little something I did find. Sometime around 1980, Paul Elam got divorced from his wife and refused to pay child support for his daughter and his son. In 2005, he reunited with his daughter. Don't know what happened with him and his son. They maintained a relationship till about 2011, but then Paul Elam spanked his grandson, you know, his daughter's son, for the shocking and unforgivable act of opening a refrigerator door. At this point, they became estranged again because it's pretty fucking crackers to spank a kid for opening a refrigerator door, if you ask me. So in 2008, Paul Elam put up the A Voice for Men website. Here's the mission statement from A Voice for Men as of the date of the recording of this podcast. Here's the mission statement from A Voice for Men. It is the mission of A Voice for Men to provide education and encouragement to men and boys, to lift them above the din of misandry, to reject the unhealthy demands of gynocentrism in all its forms, and to promote their mental, physical, and financial well-being without compromise or apology. So many of the articles on A Voice for Men lean pretty hard on the idea that men get screwed over in divorce proceedings. It seems pretty likely that Polly Lum's divorce about 25 years prior to the founding of A Voice for Men looms large in this part of the mission, especially as it pertains to child support, custody, alimony, and divorce. But on A Voice for Men, at least in 2008, the articles by Paul Elam aren't really where it was at. It was the forums. At the time of the recording of this, the forums seem not to be working. It's just an error message from the hosting company. So at least that cesspool seems to be gone, or maybe it's gone somewhere underground that we don't know about. During the heyday of the A Voice for Men forums, you could find everything from men commiserating about their bad divorces to links to local men's rights events to posts about what bitches feminists are to things that were right walking up to that call to violence and even calls to violence themselves. For these reasons, and because of the articles on the website, many of which were written by Paul Elam, A Voice for Men was mentioned in the 2012 SPLC, the Year of Hate and Extremism article, as one of 12 sites promoting misogyny. And in 2018, it was categorized as a male supremacist hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. In 2011, Paul Elam launched a podcast on the blog talk radio platform and the name of the podcast was a voice for men if you know about blog talk radio you know this thing sounded like a fucking answering machine the account seems to still exist on blog talk radio but it looks to me like their last broadcast on this platform was in 2014. in 2011 paul also put up a website called register her at first it was just publishing the lists of women who had been convicted of murdering or raping men Over time, though, its focus was broadened to also list women who had falsely accused men of rape or sexual assault, or to be more precise, women who Paul Elam thought had done this. Over the years, Register also was doxing women who protested men's rights events and was just basically doxing any woman who Paul or the Voice for Men community thought was anti-male and willing to speak about it. Elam once said on the site that there would no longer be any place to hide on the internet anymore for lying bitches. The site went down for a time, but is back up under a new domain name. In October of 2014, Paul Elam had one of his greatest hits. I'm just going to read it for you. It's in response to an article from Jezebel. That's it. In the name of equality and fairness, I am proclaiming October to be Bash a Violent Bitch Month. 
I don't mean to subdue them. I mean literally grab them by the hair and smack their face against the wall till the smugness of beating on someone because you know they won't fight back drains from their nose with a few million red corpuscles. And then make them clean up the mess. Later in the article, he writes, to all the men out there who decided to say, damn the consequences and fight back, you are heroes to the cause of equality, true feminists. And you are the honorary kings of bash a violent bitch month. Elam now regularly makes videos on YouTube under an ear for men and still blogs at a voice for men. This is by no means a comprehensive history of Paul Elam, but it's a decent starting place. And it was a no brainer to make him the mayor of MGTOWN. Now that that's out of the way, I've asked the media wench and historian Matt to join me as we go over some sound. Paul Elam spoke at the 2016 International Conference for Men's Issues, and here we go. Uh, hi, I'm Media Wenge. I am the media coordinator, booking agent, and uh, all-around derp herder for Equiplex Media. Thank you for having me on your show. I am historian Matt. Uh, I don't, I don't have that great of a title in that that respect. I don't, <laughs> I don't herd derp or anything like that. Um, I. But I am a guest on many of the shows and, and help keep you keep you two in line. I think <laughs> that's my, my big job on, on the show. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just going to get started with this video here. This is from 2016, the International Conference on Men's Issues. This is a speech given by Paul Elam on gynocentrism and the roots of feminism. All right. <laughs> Um, I have my speech prepared here, but I wanted to ask the audience's permission uh, if I could start with just a couple of minutes of a rant. Thank you very much. No. Uh, <laughs> I have some concerns. Uh, one of the things I want to say that I'm really grateful for the diversity, not only of this audience, but of the speakers of this conference. I think we're an example to the world of what diversity is supposed to be, what it actually is, different ways of thinking, different ways of approaching life. So uh, do we get to guess what his audience is filled with? Because I'm, I'm, I have a pretty good idea. We can guess, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking, uh, we don't have a video, so we don't get to see the audience. Unfortunately, I don't know if we'll be able to verify, but uh, I'm guessing it's it's, almost exclusively men there might be like one or two token women just to say that they had some women there uh and i'm also guessing that it's almost exclusively white men but there's probably a little a few more uh people of color in the group than than even women like by diverse does he mean like irish and italian and norwegian <laughs> and swedish and german and <laughs> they have all the Europeans. <laughs> uh, so many different kinds of Europeans. Well, if you noticed, he said diversity of ideas. Oh, oh. he did. Look at them little wordplay tricks they learn. Mm. But I was left with a concern, and it's for the women in this audience. I feel you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> we have been burdened with the responsibility for my moral character and for having a civilizing effect on me. I, I want you to know 
that you are all absolved of that responsibility as of now. Such a relief. <laughs> <laughs> I have met. Oh, they did just pan back on the audience on the video. I'll put a link to the video in the in the podcast notes. I'll, I'll actually do real podcast notes for this show. But yeah, it's a bunch of just a bunch of dudes. Um, you can't really tell that much, but based on the based on the the backs of the heads, I'm a little guilt. I'm a little, not guilty of it. I, I suffer that myself. It's a lot of white dudes. Well, they did sound like there was at least one woman spoke up. But I don't know if that's one. <laughs> yeah, I see the stream now, so that's good. <laughs> I got one of them jokes that I'm not gonna say. They let her speak, which was nice of them. <laughs> I have managed a 14-year relationship with a woman and have maintained fidelity in that relationship without being threatened a single time because of my values. And one more item that I just have to rant about and... Please cover the ears of your children. There are 17 items on this list in front of you. It could be 70. It could be 700. There are so many issues facing men and boys today that we can scarcely count them. I want to say without equivocation that until I wake up in a culture where this is not looked at and shrugged, where it's not looked at and laughed at, where it's not looked at and have people tell me that I hate women. So, Christopher Zach, uh, are we going to be able to like see what this list is that he has? <laughs> because I can't guarantee that I'm not going to laugh at it until I actually know what's on it, and then I'm probably going to laugh at it. Yeah, I can't read it. The camera, the camera is like it's a little bit washed out. Looks like it's just too much light or whatever. Yeah. Maybe we'll be able to grab it if I you know what? If I do if I do see it, if it's in the video somewhere and I can get a clear shot of it, I'll go ahead and uh, include the list in the podcast notes too. Excellent. I can see at the bottom it says political representation. It says yeah, Wait, are they saying that men are not represented in politics enough? <laughs> That's what the bottom one is, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Not satire. <laughs> Not satire. In order to express compassion for these problems, then I do not want to hear fuck all about how men need to be returned to their responsibilities to women. That feels so much better. <laughs> yeah, people applauded the dumb shit you were saying. It feels great, doesn't <laughs> it? Is that a rant? <laughs> Something, I guess. I mean, it was words put together in a sentence. Now I can start my talk. Hi, everyone. Let me take a moment first to offer some thanks to some people who genuinely deserve it. To Mike Buchanan and the People for Justice and Men and Boys for doing such a fantastic job of putting on a conference of this scale. 
that conference has less people than the chemtrails conference in 2018. I'm just saying. I noticed on the right side, they have room for everybody's coats in like a coat closet. (laughs) (laughs) Are they literally in like a hotel room? Is that uh, how it works? It could be. It could be a hotel room. They're in like the green room at Art Boutique. Like there's like no, there's like, I had high school classrooms that were larger than this room. To all the wonderful speakers here. Also, there's a list of people at ABFM and elsewhere who deserve recognition and thanks. Aaron Pitsy, David King, Peter Wright, Dean Esme, Janet Bloomfield, Robert Brockway, August Lowenschulz and the ABFM editorial team, Janice Fiamingo, Steve Brule, Brian Scandrett and the ABFM Facebook team, Hannah Wallen, Karen Strawn, Allison Tiemann, Al Martin, Jack Barnes, Dan Perrins, Pierce Harlan, Warren Farrell, Robert Franklin, Sage Gerard, Lucian Balsan, Suzanne McCarley, Aldir Grisindo, Daniel Martinez, Angry Harry, whom we miss dearly. Did Angry Harry go on a shooting spree? (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering how many of the people he just listed are like, I so didn't want my name associated with this conference. I wonder how many of those people he listed who are the event uh, organizers are in the audience uh, filling up the chairs. That's how you get the claps. You just mentioned the people in the audience. And the same for Earl Silverman. My apologies to the people that I have neglected to mention. There are scores of you. Also, a thank you to my partner, Stacy, who has remained my best friend through one heck of a ride. Eight years ago, A Voice for Men was founded with the intent of forcing a discussion about the issues faced by men and boys. At the time, we were one of an isolated, small, and scattered collection of people dedicated to that cause. Still are. (laughs) Still are, yeah. (laughs) Probably smaller now than when this conference happened, too. I think the uh, alt-right kind of sucked up all the men's rights activists. I don't know. Is, Is that true? I haven't really been following them for that long. They just lumped them all in together. I, I think it uh, I think it did. I talked to Matt Bender, who used to be a producer on the Majority Report about it, and he kind of thinks the same thing, that this thing lost its steam, not because there aren't people who believe these things, but because the alt-right kind of took on a lot of these ideas and a lot of the messaging, especially about like hatred of feminism and social justice warriors and whatnot. The world has changed. That discussion has begun. A significant challenge to feminism is expanding through the cultural narrative And much more importantly, within that challenge lies the potential to actually make some badly needed changes for men and boys. The problems and possible solutions have been spoken to here, and the challenge to feminism has been amplified by some very exceptional speakers. I really don't think there is much that I can add to what they've already said. Oh, good. Your speech is over. That's the episode, everybody. Good night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now we do 40 minutes of uh, just BSing. 40 minutes of laughing at this idiot. <laughs> As the last speaker here, I do want to add something else to this growing discussion 
knowing that the important work of anti-feminism will continue. In doing this talk, I do, oh, I repeated myself. In doing this talk, I'm going to make some declarations, which is to say I'm going to express my opinions, particularly about why, despite the growing intensity of men's activism, so little has actually changed. To be honest with you, I don't think we really will see real progress until we have a more complete understanding of a couple of things. One, men have a lot more problems than just feminism. And two, feminism, as destructive and morally bankrupt as it is, is just another symptom of a larger problem that's been around for a long, long time. Women getting all uppity and speaking. <laughs> Trying to have agency and shit. How dare they? That problem is called gynocentrism. <laughs> and it is not only the reason something as insane as feminism has managed to flourish, it is the taproot of a range of problems that have nothing at all to do with gender politics. Gynocentrism is at once one of the biggest problems faced by men and the reason we have such a hard time talking about it. Gynocentrism is why feminism, which arguably started as a sexual revolution, quickly became a social carcinogen and a hate movement. It is why women have advanced so far on equal rights and why they have gone in the exact opposite direction where it concerns the accompanying responsibilities. It is, <coughs> excuse me. It is why our family law system was an unjust mess before women could even vote. And it is why it has only worsened in the age of feminism. I did, a little, I did my research on, on this guy. Um, so he's talking about like family law. Uh, that's specifically uh, divorce uh, courts, basically. Um, and this is kind of, I, I wanted to bring this up. I'm very glad <laughs> he mentions this in his talk is, uh, as I've mentioned before, I've been involved with men's groups before, not one. In, <laughs> back when I was in Virginia, I was like in a men's group. It wasn't exactly like this. It wasn't, you know, yay, men, boo, feminism type stuff. It was more like guys getting together to support each other. Uh, and there were definitely guys in the group who were MRAs, even though at the time I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> And there are two guys in particular that I, I, uh, I'm thinking of, and both of them kind of had the same background and the same reason why they went in that direction. And the, the and big part of that was they were both divorced. And uh, they blamed basically, basically the, the women who div divorced them, they kind of like generalized that to blaming like all women, not just you know, their, their ex-wives on it. And that seemed to be kind of a, a common theme among these uh, uh, MRA type people. And uh, is it Elam? Uh, or however you, Elam, or however you pronounce his name exactly. I've only ever seen it written. Uh, he apparently was also divorced, and that kind of started his career, it seemed. Or certainly was a big part of it. Not only that, but um, as I already said tomorrow when I recorded the history part of this, 
Um, he got divorced from a woman and then refused to pay any child support in like 1980, at least according to what I was reading. And that's, that was 28 years or so before he started for a voice, a voice for men. So he had a long time to stew on whatever the fuck he was mad about. Right? No shit. Yeah. Angry for days. Now as the fucking representing the radical feminism on this fucking panel. And as somebody who has also um, been divorced, I mean, I would have to say, and, and gone through fucking and child custody and all that kind of stuff. Like, I gained a huge understanding of how and why the system works the way it does whenever a woman is home with the kids and the dad is off and working. And part of the reason why the mother, which is, I would assume what this dude is fucking pissed off about, gets the custody of the kids. And then also his old child, old child support is um, because you can't just take away a child from the primary parent that they spend, you know, 60, 70% of their time with, without like, some sort of trauma, emotional trauma that you're going to inflict on that kid. And as fucked up as the courts are and as fucked up as family court is, that's one thing that I think that they kind of get right. Now, as far as like child support is concerned, like I think that in the state of California, it's kind of a huge ripoff um, because it's like just exorbitant amounts of money that are just will end up doing more harm to both parties uh, financially and emotionally than it could. And that's probably another reason why huge rifts occur is because it's like, you know, between fucking 600 and a thousand dollars per kid in some instances. And if you like have a minimum wage job and you're already working 40 hours a week and all that, you know, it's like, that's, it's stressful. It creates, um, it just creates a lot of anger and it's just it's kind of misplaced in certain areas and and uh yeah i got a lot of i got a lot of i don't feel i don't feel bad for dudes who have kids and then go and work and and leave a little uh, lady home to take care of the kids and stuff although that's also her choice and you can also there's many things that you could do to help that situation but at the same time it's like the courts need to kind of get out of family business a little bit because it's not really their place yeah. So, what do you think about reforming the the courts as as the resident uh, feminist, angry feminist? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the arrangement that um, my ex husband and I have is that we don't we don't have a support order. Well, as soon as as soon as the court mediator said, if you let he like outed himself, honestly, he says if you let us into your lives at this point in uh, in family court and then in, the, in this divorce situation, you will never get us out. We will be involved in all of your finances, all of your business, all of this fucking bullshit. So you better decide right now what it is that you plan on being and what kind of parents you plan on being and if you can get along. Because if you can't, then we're going to be the third parent in this fucking, in this whole mess. And we walked outside and never went back to court. 
in fact i'm legally still married because we said fuck this shit we're just not gonna do we're just not gonna do this because we don't want to have a court have a say over who's going to be taking care of the kids where the money is going we want to be able to help each other because we can and we want to and it's our ethical and moral responsibility to do so because we are the parents of these children not because somebody you know, wrote down on a piece of paper and under penalty of loss as we have to. I realize that, that is a very unique situation and hardly anybody or like have that going on for them, which I feel bad. Um, but I mean, honestly, that's kind of, that's kind of the way it should be. I mean, it sounds like you had a, a good judge that said, you know, told you all this stuff and like, yeah, that, that wasn't the judge. That was the mediator before we even went. Oh, and the saw mediator. The judge. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We, he saved us from all that fucking bullshit basically. Well, cause it was just like, it could have been bad and I didn't want it to be bad because I didn't feel like it was very fair. And, uh, it, given the situation and the areas where people lived and, and, uh, the, you know, jobs and money available, it's just not fucking feasible to be able to take care of children and then pay somebody else a whole shitload of money that, <coughs> excuse me. It's just not, it's not feasible, especially in today's time, you know, time and space. You also weren't uh, negotiating with Paul Elam fucking true <laughs> gynocentrism is why our boys are under attack in our schools and why we don't defend them and it is why we did this long before bawa before the feminist agenda to turn dysfunctional pain-ridden families in, into a lucrative industry gynocentrism made feminism a corrupt establishment cash cow and drove the entire industrialized world to remain silent while it happened. In case you didn't notice, when you scan the modern sexual landscape, you will find what Alison Tiemann has called the empathy apartheid, a cruel and unjust disparity of compassion between men and women. Whoa, stop. What? What? <laughs> is, he, is he saying that like being empathy, empathetic is bad and we shouldn't do that and somehow it's repressing them for being empathetic no no what he's saying actually is that <laughs> there's an apartness an apartheid where we don't have empathy for probably he's going to say like he would probably say cis heterosexual men and boys right because it's all kind of probably white too because i feel like that's baked into this fucking cake too and it's just like the it's the it's the white elephant in the room yeah but uh yeah, I think he would say that we've like don't have empathy for uh you know straight young straight men or whatever or in their in their kind of sexual lives and in their relationships. We may be committing a fatal error to write that unholy divide off to feminism alone. And a society that fails to have an honest discussion about that will be perpetually a society that fails to address any of the concerns that brought us here together for this conference. I dare say that a men's rights narrative that contains itself to the evils of feminism while gratifying may well also serve to keep us from getting to the heart of why we're here. So gentlemen, ladies, we need to talk, not just to the world, but to each other. And we have to do so knowing that even in this room, the conversation is challenging and difficult. It is not easy for men to look directly at women and insist, however lovingly, that they step down from the pedestal. 
to tell them that we embrace their equality but not their privilege, and to tell them that they are valued but no more valued than their brothers, fathers, and husbands. I mean, I don't understand how trying to just get equal equals you being put on a pedestal. I mean... I mean, in reality, but, no, but but they definitely think that. And, you know, I've heard this uh, uh, from other people where they say that the people like this and, and in other groups that are similar, uh, they believe in like a zero-sum game. Like if somebody is gaining rights, then that mean, must mean you're losing rights. Yeah. And that's definitely not happening. But that's very clearly what they seem to be thinking, you know? Yeah. That's confusing as fuck. <laughs> Like I don't even I don't even understand how they can follow that logic. They can't follow very simple fucking like lines of fucking thinking, but they can follow that complicated ass shit. <laughs> I'd like to see the fucking graph that they fucking like come up with that. Well, it's it's more complicated than that because they won't actually say that, but everything they say supports that line of thinking. So they're they're talking about women being put up on a pedestal, but they're not talking about how they they don't actually say out loud that they lost their rights. You know. That yeah. somehow women are getting more rights than men. Well, they might say that at some point, but uh, they're they're not clear about that. Even though, from what they're saying, that's definitely something underneath that they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. They said, "Oh, you know, back in the day, women were <laughs> below us. Now all of a sudden, they're above us." It'd be interesting to ask them when, at what point, uh, like along that continuum. Well, when when did it even out? Did it even out at any point along that continuum? And what? Like what second of what minute of what hour of what day of what year of, you know, of what month or whatever did it, did it even out? And like, what was going on at the time? Yeah. Cause let me tell you my 40 years. Let me, okay. Let me, let me, let me just back that up. Cause I haven't been working since I was one years old. When I, since I got my first job, when I was like 16 up until now, I don't think that I have, as a woman, ever been thought of as an equal in a workplace. In fact, as recently as up to like six months ago, I asked to be uh, trained in another department and was literally laughed at. So even though I'm faster, better, and smarter than most of the fucking dudes that I work with and then run that department. Yeah, actually, I don't know what industry you're in, but in you know, I've been in IT for a long time in the software engineering, you know, kind of area, and there's a lot of bro culture there. Well, you know what? You know what's even worse is that the women are just coming and fucking up your fucking party. <laughs> They're showing up. They, they did it to video games already. They're coming for you next. They did it to movies a long time ago too. They got leading ladies and shit in movies. Come on. Oh no. How dare that Tomb Raider? Some of them aren't even hot, like Tomb Raider. Oh. Some, like Tomb Raider is hot, but some of them aren't even hot. How dare they? It's not easy for women to look directly at men and insist that they dismount from their white horses to tell them that treating women with anything less than absolute agency and autonomy is not only insulting, it is the prevailing form of misogyny. That is tough talk. But without it, we're bound to follow the path of a Mobius strip, settling for the illusion of progress for both sexes while we go in circles. To avoid that, one thing we have to come to terms with is gynocentrism. So what exactly is gynocentrism? Oh, dear Lord, is he finally getting to the fucking point? 
he literally has a photo of a woman on a pedestal. On a pedestal. <laughs> yeah, I definitely encourage you to watch this video because the couple times they've shown slides, they've been really stupid. <laughs> and she isn't like she's standing on the pedestal. She's sitting awkwardly trying to look good on a pedestal. Oh, she's working that pedestal. We see it most prominently expressed in biology, chivalry, and romantic love. Let's take a brief look at each one. The biology is pretty simple. It makes perfect sense that human beings evolve with a premium on the lives of women. After all, it only takes one man to impregnate almost a limitless amount of women with comparatively little investment of time and energy. So in that light, a degree of gynocentrism would not only be healthy, but vital to human survival. Women have a significant investment in human reproduction. Common sense tells you that you could wipe out most of the men in any particular society of human beings and they, re could, they could repopulate in a relatively short order. Yeah, because we got the uterus. That's why. That's where the baby grows. We could wipe out all men. We got enough fucking, we got enough saved up in the fucking sperm bank. We don't need any of you. Man, I hope Paul Elam doesn't listen to this. <laughs> like I was listening to this one, sh this one show that was making fun of our movement and the dumb feminist on there said we could wipe out all men. See, this is what I'm talking about. They didn't even scold her for it. To the women though, and you have a completely different set of problems, problems that could imperil the species. It stands to reason, then, that in six million years of hominid evolution, that part of our survival is owed to prioritizing women over men in a variety of ways. The drive in men to protect and provide for women, which most of us regard as instinctive, would appear to be an artifact of that evolution. Another component of the biology is a drive in men for reproduction. It's almost indescribably powerful. It also evokes the best and worst that men can be. However, despite the feminist revision of human history, our shared past does not reflect a culture of men who simply dominated women physically in order to reproduce. All the evidence points to the idea that in order to reproduce, men have to be selected by female sexual partners. In this process, men compete with each other, sometimes betraying their self-interest, their friendships, and every moral principle they hold. I mean, you know, trying to get laid makes you do dumb shit. I mean, is that sum it up? Yeah, that's what you just said. Like it was some kind okay. of um, some kind of so, epiphany. Yeah, I mean, like all kinds of animals in the animal kingdom compete for the female's tension even if the female ain't that hot case in point peacocks right but they the ugly. male peacock <laughs> the male peacock has got that big old pretty tail and he fluff, 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 and the female peacock is just kind of like Beh. you know but they will fucking flap that shit until they fall out to bang that ugly ass female peacock so maybe some of these dudes who can't get laid just needs to lower their standards to like female peacock status and then we won't 
have all of these problems. You can get laid no matter how ugly you are, how weird you look, how not weird you look. You have like nine fingers and 12 toes. There is at least one person on this planet that is totally into you. In modern times, we certainly have a dressed up to look and feel more civilized, but it does not change the heart of things any more than ordering a steak in a nice restaurant changes the killing that goes on behind the scenes. That is the biological one-two punch, the synergistic combination of men's protective instinct and reproductive strategy. When you look objectively, it becomes nearly impossible to miss the connection between biology and the potential for exaggerated gynocentrism. And it becomes apparent how men can have all the outward appearances of power, even as they are used and exploited by their drive to protect and provide for women. Those dudes are just stupid. Yeah. Is he pushing the, uh, I, I don't know, the thought, the, I don't know what you call it, the theory that women control everything by pretending that men, men are in charge? I don't know if he's going with the pretending that men are in charge. I think he's going with pussy power. Men have a, a, a drive to reproduce and provide for women, and women exploit that and make them do dumb things. Is that true? There's a room full of the fucking people that that's happened to, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. Getting paid more than a girl with a degree And I can walk down the streets after dark No one wants to rape me And I can get a girl pregnant And just as easily flee Just like my straight white male dad did to me So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I've got a pile of broken mirrors And I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt But to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly So if I see a penny on the ground I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck